We are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. Good morning, Faith Temple. How y'all doing this morning? I'm glad to see each and every one of you all this morning. Today we are going to talk about the whole enchilada. Y'all ever heard of that phrase, the whole enchilada? We're going to talk about that this morning. And I'm going to try not to be before y'all long, actually. I'm going to try not to be before y'all long. But we do allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of the Holy God, right? So we will get into this um, sermon to the focal verse of Scripture. John 10 and 10 reads, A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give life, life that is full and good. Amen, amen. We ask that the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, doers, and sharers of his word. Amen. I am glad to be here this morning. I'm actually kind of glad to be talking about this subject as well. So I'm not sure how many of you all have heard the idiom, the whole enchilada, right? Some of us might actually think about food when we say whole enchilada, and we have something in our heads when we say the whole enchilada, but the term means take the good with the bad, okay? Take the good with the bad. That's with our relationship with each other. It's in our, if some of us have marriages or romantic relationships, we are accustomed to taking the good with the bad. And when you are able to do that with the same level of enthusiasm, and I I, want to stress that, the same level of enthusiasm, then you are one who is able to take the whole enchilada, right? If you have physically eaten an enchilada, you know that there are different textures and different tastes in the enchilada. And you have some people who will scrape the sauce off and say, I don't like that. And you'll you'll have people say, oh, I don't like the flour tortilla and I'd rather a corn tortilla or whatever it is. And we see people who sit to dine, and I'm not saying anything is right or wrong with it, I'm just making an observation, and they will begin to change the dish to make it more satisfying to them. And you are able to do that when you walk in a restaurant and and they allow you to change the dish, you are able to do that. But in this thing called life, you're not able to change some of the things. You're not able to pick and choose what happens in your life. And what I, what I have observed is that in this Christian life, and, and I'm going to go beyond your relationships because if you are where you are supposed to be or where you are trying to get, then the highest, most important relationship in your life is the one that you have with the Father God. Okay, so I'm making some assumptions here. I'm making some assumptions that you are in right relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not, we can deal with that a little later. But if you are not, we can deal with that now. We can deal with that now. Is there anybody in here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Anybody? Ain't no shame. 
anybody. So I don't see anybody who's owning the fact that they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And since in this house it is true, and I am thankful that we have all accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then I'm talking to you this morning. Every single body that I see, I'm talking to you this morning. That relationship, the one with the Father God, is supposed to be the highest, most important relationship in your life. And if that is true, if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he has made some promises to you. The one we, I'm not going to focus on all of them because we could be here all day, but the one that I want you to think about, the one that I want you to contemplate, the one that I want you to think about how it rolls in your life is the one where he filters everything that happens in your life. He filters it. It's tailor-made for you and your purpose. It's tailor-made, and sometimes it feels like life is so hard. I know I've been there before and will probably be there again, but one of the things that make me just push through, call it resilience, call it tenacity, call it whatever you want to, is that I honestly believe in my heart that everything that happens in my life is father-filtered. See, I don't know what your faith believes because some people believe that the enemy can just walk up in their life and start doing anything. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. The word of God said the father will not dwell in an unclean temple. And so if the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me, the enemy can't just walk up and start doing whatever he wants to in my life. Actually, my belief is that he is inconsequential in my life because if I have the all-powerful one and the word of God, we talked about this the other morning on the prayer line, Jesus said that I am in the father. And you are in me. And then I am in you. So if he, you got two layers of protection on the outside. And then he reinforces it on the inside. So how can a lesser power get to you? They have to get permission. But now if you don't believe that, I'm going to challenge you to change your mindset this morning because it is important for you to understand who you are and what is going on in your life. Otherwise, when life starts happening, you will start saying silly stuff. (laughs) Y'all know how we do. We start saying silly stuff like, God, where are you? I'm still on the outside protecting you from most of this and Jesus still on the inside protecting you from the rest so anything that gets through Jesus gets through the father to you is for a purpose it's, it, 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 can't nobody just walk up and start messing with you but see y'all don't know that And so when life starts happening, you start acting like you a victim to what's going on instead of saying, okay, I accept this too. How is it? And I started thinking about Mays and Frank and Beverly. Mays said joy and pain. It's like sunshine and rain. So how is it that we can take the joy and the sunshine? (laughs) But we don't want the pain (laughs) and the rain. How, 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 How can that be? It's the same father that's letting the joy and the sunshine get through 
It's the same one that's letting the pain and the rain get through. But because we are not accustomed to taking the whole enchilada, because we are accustomed to walking up in restaurants and changing this and changing that and changing the other to satisfy me, we think we could do life the same way. But we can't do life the same way. We cannot do life the same way. And if you have a father who loves you wholly and completely and you have a big brother, a savior, and a Lord who left everything he knew in glory to come here to die for you out of that same love, how can you believe that bad things are happening to you? Right? We wouldn't even do that. And I know we know better. I know we know better because those of us who are parents, right, we take our kids to the park and to Disney World and wherever we take our kids to have fun, and then when we come home and tell them to make up their bed and they give us lip, we don't like that. We don't like that because I just gave you joy. Now I'm asking you to do something you don't like and I got to get all the lips. So we know we don't like that but some sort of how we see ourselves differently than we see Dakota when she's saying, Mama, I don't want to do that. Well, he see you the same way. He sees me the same way. I gave you the joy. And now I'm trying to give you, see, I was telling somebody the other day, our, our definition of he will provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Sometimes it throws us off because the word riches is in that sentence and we are so focused that my need is only money. That when he not providing money, something has gone wrong. But either you believe he is providing every one of your needs or you don't. It's no gray in this one. Not, not with him. I was telling somebody this morning, they're just two sides. We make stuff complicated. <laughs> it's evil and it's good. Two sides. And if it ain't God, guess what it is? If it ain't God, guess what it is? <laughs> right? But either you believe that the time that you are struggling is just as important as the days of ease. Either you believe that or you don't. Either you believe that a struggle, the father done filtered it and said, you know what? No, it's a need, this one. It's a need for him to struggle right here. See, y'all don't want to hear that. Because we think need means something always good. What kind of father would always give you candy and never give you meat? You don't do it to your own children. They, they start eating too much candy. You be like, boy, you need to eat some vegetables. You need to eat some meat. It's the same thing with the father God. You've been eating too much candy. You need some meat. But when the candy stops, we start saying stupid stuff. Like, God, how can you? God, I'm mad at you. God, I'm so upset. God, are you ever going to come? God, where you at? He ain't never moved. He ain't never moved. 
But if I give you too much candy, I'm going to say it in a way that you understand. Diabetes is up the road. If I give you too much salt, high blood pressure is up the road. <laughs> if I give you too many hamburgers, high cholesterol is up the road. So when I take the hamburger away, I'm not doing nothing against you or harmful for you. I'm preventing cholesterol. High cholesterol, I'm preventing high blood pressure. I'm preventing diabetes, but because you can't see up the road. But because you can't see up the road, and because your trust level is not where it's supposed to be, you start grumbling and mumbling and complaining about the enchilada. I was listening to this lady the other day. And she, was, she, she said, we have raised this church where it's all about the joy and the peace and the love and the kindness and the goodness of God. And she was angry about it. And, and, and they don't know how to suffer and they don't know how to fight and they don't know how to hang in there. And she was angry about it. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, she's just as bad as the people who say, this is a suffering way. You all, what? no, no, no. It's an and. Sometimes you suffer and sometimes you have days of joy. It's not an either or. It's not a, it's not a black, it, it, it's both. You get to have joy and you get to have some pain. I know, and I started to ask Brother Steve to play joy and pain, but I know how it minds it. We've been joy and pain. We would have totally missed it. Totally missed it. <laughs> Because the melanin would have rose up and we want to do, you know, do we do. <laughs> but in that song, Frankie Beverly says something like, you remember when love was new? I'm reading. Let me find it. Remember when love, y'all remember when y'all first came to the Lord? <laughs> Woo, he could do no wrong. He was the best thing yet that ever happened in my life. That's what we said. We were so googly-eyed. Frankie Beverly says it like this. Remember when you first found love, how you felt so good? The kind that lasts forever more so you thought it would. You was feeling so high. You thought it was going to always feel like this. <laughs> and married folk and parents ought to know better than anybody. It don't always feel good. But, uh, but you don't get to take your children to the dumpster and throw them out because they not making you feel good right now. You don't get to take your husband or your wife and go and put them in the dumpster because they not making me feel good right now. You, you dig in there. Even, even when you go through periods that you don't like them, you love them, so you keep working on it. You keep going back, but some kind of how. When life gets too hard, we take the Father God and we dump him. You know how I know we dump him? You know how I know we dump him? Because we start doing all kinds of stuff to make the pain stop. 
we start doing all kinds of stuff to rush through the suffering. And he done already told you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He has already told you that I'm going to meet every one of your needs, all of them. But y'all don't acknowledge that there are other needs that got nothing to do with money. Right? Got other needs that don't have nothing to do with money. So when he's sending you through something, he's saying you need patience. Not just for today, but for tomorrow. Because you don't know where I'm taking you tomorrow, but I do. And so I need you to go through this. You have a need for this. You have a need for humility. So that's why you can't run and buy the Gucci and the LVs no more because I need you to put that in its proper place. But see, because you used to be able to buy LVs and Gucci, whatever, whatever y'all like to buy, because you used to be able to do that, you thought that you always would. And now that you can't, God somehow has failed you. No, he's still meeting the needs. He's still meeting the needs. You need humility more than you need another name brand. But because you are so accustomed to running up and picking up whatever you want to and and eating wherever you want to and, and doing whatever you want to when you can't, then you think something bad has happened to you. And what I am saying to you is reinforce yourself. Because in this life, Either you are going to take the whole enchilada or you ain't going to take none of it. That's how it works. That's how it works. And, and I was thinking, I was like, Lord, give me some examples of how this can happen. Because you guys, me, all of us need to accept that we are in a fallen world. So when next time somebody asks you, why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? Your answer is, we are in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, disease happens, poverty happens, sickness happens, homelessness happens. All of these things happen in a fallen world. I was laughing with Cheryl this morning and I said, before Adam and Eve, even the viruses got along with us. Now, we fighting the virus and they fighting us. <laughs> that's, why, that's, why, that's why I had to go get that flu shot yesterday because the viruses from last year said, oh, you want to fight? Let's fight. They arm it up themselves. Now they ain't scared of the shot from last year. So the man had to go in and create another one. The hell nothing in the back. And we're just fighting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because we live in a fallen world. We live. Suffering happens in a fallen world. It happens. So I was thinking about Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. Y'all remember that? And as devastating as Hurricane Katrina was to thousands and thousands of people, not everybody experienced that the same way, right? Because some people had houses that were on higher ground. Some people had insurance. Some people had cars where they could leave the city before Katrina arrived. So even though the storm was the same, 
the impact was different. The impact was different. And it's the same in the body of Christ. Because sometimes people come and they say, oh, when you come to the Lord, it's like it's a protection from this fallen world. And it is in a sense. But it doesn't mean that disease will pass by your door. It doesn't mean that tragedy won't hit your family. So if that's what you thought Christianity was about, I need you to change your mind this morning. Christianity is like when Katrina comes, Katrina is coming anyway. I can't control Katrina. You can't control Katrina. Katrina is coming anyway. The question is, what will the impact be? That's where Jesus Christ comes in. The storm is coming anyway. But will you die in the storm? Or will you have to replace some windows on your house? Some people died in that storm. Some people just had to replace windows in their house. And so since the storm is coming, why would you throw away the father who is filtering out the storm? The storm is coming, so either you're going to be covered or you're going to be uncovered. Which one? Wait, that's what Christianity is about. And it's not that even the impact of the storm will be. Here is the difference that it's supposed to make. The difference is supposed to be the work on the inside of you such that if both of us lose family members in Katrina, my response, not like the unbeliever's response. That's what Christianity does. That's what a relationship with Christ does. It fortifies you on the inside so that you could accept the whole enchilada. So that you could accept it with the same love and the same enthusiasm. I'm not going to say the same feelings because if somebody passes away that you love, especially if it's tragedy, you're going to feel some sort of way. But you ain't going to be mad at God about it. Not when your relationship is what it's supposed to be. You're going to run to him and say, you know what? I feel hurt like I never felt hurt before. I need you to help me to get. And he say, I will. I'm right there. Whereas somebody over there, somebody else cursing God and dying. You're going to be like Job. Say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But see, the problem is we don't understand God the right way because we hate to say that God took it away. But if God didn't take it away, then who took it away? And if the enemy took it away, then he got too much room in your life because he's not supposed to be able to do anything to you without your permission. But some of y'all don't believe that. Because you don't really believe that the spirit that lives on the inside of you is the same one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So you're walking around with the most powerful spirit on, in the universe on the inside of you. And you accrediting things that's happening in your life to the enemy. He can't, you can do it to you. 
He can't do it to you unless you tell him he can't. And so then if things are happening and you are afraid to say that this too is from the Lord, that's where you're messing up. Because God is doing everything he can to get you to look like you were supposed to look before you came into this fallen world. And the longer you stay attached to the world, sometimes the harder it becomes because you don't know anything else but the world and its ways. But God wants you to trust him and his ways. So that's, that's what all of this is about, him trying to get you to where you were supposed to be. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was like, Lord, the length of time that I stay in a struggle, like an emotional or an internal struggle, is usually because I'm fighting against choosing your way. And so the length of that struggle is because I haven't committed to your way. And the minute I commit to doing something his way, the struggle goes away. But we don't want to do that because we want immediate release right now, relief right now. Immediate relief right now. And so we go and we resort to all of this stuff. All of us, well, I don't know. See, I'm going to say something about my perspective on the world. I don't know if this is true or not. What I was getting ready to say is that all of us know somebody we can call that'll handle business. I don't know if that's true. I know somebody who will handle business in a way that won't, won't please God. But when I get in a tough spot, I can't call them. I got to call him. That's what the struggle is about. But because we are so accustomed to getting immediate relief, we call him instead of him. Because we don't want to sit in the dark. So I know he got some money. And God might be saying, you need to sit in the dark a couple days. Or you need to call somebody, because I'm building humility in you. You might need to call somebody and say, can I come stay tonight with you because my lights got turned off and I don't get paid until Friday. You might need to tell, say that to somebody. And then the person that you ask might need to let you come stay because they might be selfish over there too. I'm going to talk to myself now. If you got more than one room, and you know somebody needs somewhere to stay. Did God really <laughs> give you that room to turn your eye away from the homeless? Did he really give you all that space just so you could say, I live in a 5,600 square foot house? Did he really? Or is that the way of the world? That's the kind of stuff that he's trying to change in all of us. And all of us have it. And so when he starts coming for those places, that, if nothing else, will let you know how unyielded you are to the Father. How unyielded you are to the Father. I'm, I'm, I'm going longer than I intended to, but I do want to give you all some scriptures. And whether you go 
Now, I'm going to read them to you. I'm just going to read them to you. Because I was going to say whether you go and read them or not, but I want you to hear them at least once. I want you to hear them. Because in these uh, scriptures, just like the one that Brother Nosa read this morning, John 10 and 10 says that the enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So I want y'all to think about Katrina, think about the storms in the life, think about that I said it will happen. The enemy wants to use those things to destroy you. He cannot do it without your permission. The storm is coming, it's there. The enemy wants you to turn to the ways of the world, to the things that displease God to deal with the impact of the storm. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, there's a better way, a more productive way that will lead to a brighter future for you to deal with the impact of the storm. What is happening on the inside of you will determine which one you choose. And so that is why it is important for you to understand this Christian walk as filled with joy and pain, filled with sunshine and rain. You need to understand that because the joy is just as important as the pain. The rain is just as important as the sunshine. But we don't believe that. Because if we did, we wouldn't say, God, where are you? We would hang in there knowing that he's working it out for the good. Because that's the promise that he gave you. And sometimes it will come overnight because sometimes we just need tweaking. And sometimes we need rebuilding. Sometimes we need the whole lesson. And so I need to keep you here for a week or a month or a year. Because you don't have this yet. And sometimes we have it and we forget. So he might keep you in it for a day or two. That's why you can't compare your journey to mine. And I can't compare mine to yours. Because your journey is tailor made for your purpose. And so it doesn't mean because my life. I remember somebody telling Brittany. Your mama never goes through anything. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> what I do is I don't complain a lot. Mostly, I use what I go through as a testimony after I've gone through it. When it comes to things of this world that you can manage like, that car out there that I have, I know that car is going to need maintenance and one day it's going to break down. So I don't live my life as if that car not going to break down one day. When I buy it, I start saving $10 and $20 a month. See, that's the difference. So when it breaks down, I already got it. You're going to panic because you thought it's new. It ain't going to never break down. It's going to break down. Just a matter of when. It's a matter of when. See, if you just accept some things about this life and stop being blind about this life, you could be prepared for a lot of this stuff. Right? The refrigerator, going to break. The stove, going to break. The tire is going to blow out. We know this. 
But we live as if it's not going to happen. And then when it happens, we get all panicky and up in an uproar. And I can't believe God was going on. The tire busted. That's it. It was supposed to. It was supposed. If God created you by his own hand, by his own design, and you breaking down, what make you think the car not going to break down? It's going to happen. So that stuff, you prepare for that stuff. When it's sunshine, you save $5 because rain coming and the tire going to break. So you save $5. You know what that does? <laughs> it allows you the energy and the resolve for the stuff that you can't control. Because some stuff is going to hit you so hard. And if you worried about the tire and the car, and then your sister or your brother, like Sister Rodgers told us the other day, or your sister and your brother passed this life on the same day. Then that's when life starts to feel too hard because now you're thinking about the tire and the light bill and the car, and my brother and sister passed away on the same day. You can't, handle, you can't manage the brother and sister passing away on the other day, but you can lessen the impact of this other stuff. But you don't do it because you live in some false reality like this stuff ain't going to happen. It's going to happen. So save $5 when it's sunshine. That's all I'm saying. People lose jobs. We shouldn't lose our mind because we lost a job. We should live in the reality that people lose jobs. So while I have a job, I'm going to save $5 for when I don't. But we don't do that. We think we go always have a job because we have one today. And I'm saying to you, the reason I could deal with the bigger stuff that I can't control, because I live in the reality that I work for somebody. And I could walk in tomorrow, and they could say, you don't work here anymore. I'm not going to freak out over that. I'm not, because guess what? I've been saving $5. <laughs> I've been saving $5. I'm just telling you how I live my life. But we act like because we've been somewhere for 20 years, we're going to be there for 20 more. No. Because we've been driving a new car for five years, it ain't going to never break down. No. Every time you get in there and crank it up, it's closer to breaking down. Every time you move it, it's closer to breaking down. So live your life in that reality so that when the things that do happen that you can't control, you won't start charging God foolish. You could take the sunshine with the rain, right? You could take the pain and the joy. And I'm going to get these scriptures because i got to get them. And then I'm going to sit down. The first one is James 1, 2 through 12. And I want y'all to listen for the joy and the pain, the sunshine and the rain in these scriptures. It reads like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials. That's the first, that's the first scripture. James 1, 2 through 12. James 1, 2 through 12. Okay, consider it pure joy. So it's telling you right there, when you face trials, you can still be joyful. Consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So your faith is going to be tested and you are going to get something out of it. 
It's telling you right there in the scripture. So, but let's, let, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You're so focused on trying to jump out of the fire that you can't even reap the, few, the future benefits. What are the future benefits? That you're going to be complete and lack nothing. So what does a few days right here mean? But you're not focused. It's, it's telling you God is just so transparent. You're going to go through something, but if you stay right there, you're going to be mature and you're complete and you're not going to lack anything. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God. And he who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Think about that. Believers in humble. We don't want to be humble. We don't want to. But this scripture just said those in humble circumstances, you live in the project. Okay? You li- I tell people all the time, I live right now, right now as we speak, I live in the hood. The other day, the block up from me, they sh- in the shootout, and people think because I live in the medical center, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we could paint any picture we want to. If it's one street in the medical center, that's the hood, I'm it. I'm on it. I'm on that street. But you know what? I go home with joy because when I got ready to come back to Houston, that's what God provided. I didn't have to look for it. I didn't have to search it around. And so then I'm not saying, well, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw it, I was like, ooh, I'm better than this. <laughs> ooh. You know? So now I say, okay, I need some umbling. And y'all know my brother ain't got good sense. He came over there. He said, oh, you slumming it, huh? Yeah, pretty much. That's what God provided. So I'm trying to learn what I need to learn. At first, I was like, God, really? (laughs) But now I'm like, okay. Because if anybody needs to be in the hood, it needs to be me. Because I'm not scared of the hood. I grew up in the hood. And the people, I get to talk to these people that's running around now until the Lord tell me it's something else. But see, we're not like that. we like, like I was when I first got there. <laughs> but I was over here. I was over here when I was in Everett, but really? I'm over here? <laughs> well, I got to drive down the street very carefully or it's going to break my undercurrent <laughs> under my car. Really? Re- okay, you say so. And he says in, his, in this word that I should take pride. In living in the hood and the projects, wherever we stay, I should take pride in that. But we sit up in the hood, in the project, complaining about the roof that's over our head because it's not in River Oaks. But one day you're going to learn that joy and peace, greater than money, no matter where the hood is, no matter where the roof is. Say, take pride. And then, this God's way, he said, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. I'm going to jump down to verse 12. Blessed 
is the one who, who perseveres under trial. When you're going through, blessed is the one that hang in there because having stood the test of time, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So not only are you mature if you hang in there and you have and lack nothing in this world, you have a crown that's waiting on you. The next scripture, let me find my next one. I'm sorry, I got to read them to you. The next one is 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. And it sounds like this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. You know why it's important that you know that? Because you're sitting in your house thinking this ain't never happened to nobody. And it has. It has. You're not the only one. But you open your mouth and you say it because in Revelations, the word of God says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. So, so if I tell somebody I'm going through right now and I don't have a car to get to work, somebody else might have one sitting on their driveway that they could give you, but you won't say anything because you're not humble. You got a false pride. The Bible is saying that nothing is happening to you that has not happened to everybody else. It's common. It's common. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And temptation ain't always just about tempting to have sex or whatever, tempting to use drugs, tempting to overeat. It's tempting to call somebody to help you out of your struggles. And parents, it's tempting for you to overhelp to keep your children out of their struggles. But God wants to be everybody's God. And I know this is hard because I'm a parent too. But unless God tells you to intervene, unless he tells you that you're the one, he wants to be God of your children too. They got the struggle too. And sometimes some of these 20 and 30 years old can't make it because we done babied them. They came up with whole terms about the helicopter parent and all that kind of stuff because we hovering too much. <laughs> hovering too much that they can't even grow up in God because you are still trying to be the same parent to the grown child that you were to the minor child. At some point, and I have said this to parents more than one time, God could become the God of your children's lives with a $5 trial because they ain't got $5. But because you have 500 he got to put a $500 and $5 trial on your child's back to get you out of the way. Because you won't manage yourself and get out of the way just because you can't. I'm saying this. I'm saying it to you. I'm saying it to me. You got to pray about what to do for your grown children. You got to pray about it. Because we are so accustomed to just intervening. And we don't want our children to hurt. We've been loving them so much and so long, 
We don't want our children to hurt. But guess what? Joy and pain. Sunshine and rain. Sometimes I got to look at Flo Hurt and hold her hand and pray for her. I got to understand what the mind of Christ, what she's going through. But we don't do that because Flo is my baby. And I want Flo to be able to eat. And I want April to be able to do. And I want Nosa to be. And we want all of this stuff. But God wants so much more. So much more. So much more. You got to get out of the way. Got to get out of the way. Got to get out of the way. You got to get out of the way. The next scripture. Romans 5 and 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. How many of y'all take glory in your sufferings? We glory in our sufferings not because we, we, we're, we want to hurt, but we glory because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So you need to suffer until you don't want to call them no more till it just occurs to you to call him. And then it says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Have you ever come out of your stuff in a way that you know didn't please God? And were you later ashamed about it? God brings you out in a way that you don't ever have to be ashamed. He will bring you out. He will bring you through. Romans 8. I want to sit down, but I got to be obedient, guys, okay? Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In the middle of your struggle, God hasn't taken his eye for you, so don't ask that question where you at. The Bible just told you that he's sitting next to God, interceding for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? a hardship, a persecution, a famine, 
or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Know in all these things, while you are hungry, in the middle of your hardship, while you are in trouble, when you are naked, when you are in danger, when you are, when your life is on the line, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I know it don't feel like it when you're in the middle of it, but you are more than conquerors. That's why I'm taking time to give you these scriptures, because I can't be in your house with you when you're going through so you're going to have to go back to these scriptures and remind yourself of who you are and you are more. Even seated down in the middle of your struggle, you are more than a conqueror. Even when you cannot see a way out, you are more than a conqueror. Even if you are hungry and you can't remember the last time you had a whole meal, you are more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The last scripture, Hebrews 12, 3 through 13. And I'm talking to somebody right now. He has not left you. I don't care how hard it feels I don't care how drastically your situation has changed. Nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God. So he and the Father are still on the outside protecting you, and Jesus is still on the inside fortifying you. You are not separated even though it feels dark, even though your children feel out of control, even though your marriage seems like it should be better by now, you are not out of his eyesight. Not. I don't care how dark it gets, you are not out of his eyesight. He can see in the dark. He is the light in the dark. His eyesight is not affected by the darkness he is doing something for your good. He is making you closer to his image. He is drawing you closer to him. So persevere because you'll be perfect, mature. When it's over, you will lack no good thing. In hindsight, when you get to that place, in hindsight, you'll be thankful. In hindsight, when you see, when you get, I know you can't see. I know you can't see beyond what is happening right now. But I'm 
telling you, when you get to where God is taking you, you'll look back and you will say, you'll be grateful for it then. You'll be thankful for it then. Just don't turn to the ways of the world. Trust him and hang in there. And I promise, let me tell you something. If I don't trust nobody, I trust him even in the darkness. Even in the darkness. And some of y'all tossing and turning. And one day, one day, one day, you're going to look back over there on that road. When you get there, you're going to be like, man, that don't seem like much. Because he's building you. And I know it feels like you can't catch a break. I know it feels like you can't catch a break. But if it is not easing up now, it's because you need it. And I know that's hard, but you need it. The word of God says that the father chastises those who he loves. He chastises those who he is crazy about. He chastises though. He doesn't just look the other way. He disciplines, just like you do with your children. Right? If you see your children going down the wrong way, you're like, no, no, no. It's something better out there for you. And you try to pull them back and give them time out. You may even spank them, whatever you do. But you're doing it out of love, not out of hate. And God is the same way. That's his attribute. The last one is Hebrews 12, 3 through 13. It says, consider him, meaning Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You are not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen 
your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And so even though you are in the middle of it, strengthen yourself and hang in there. Because I promise you, if you do it God's way, greater days are before you. And that is the word for you today.